This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Cardiac Output by Nancy Broadus. My name is Nancy Broadus. I am a clinical nurse specialist in the cardiac ICU at Children's Hospital Boston. The topic for today is cardiac output. Blood flow during the cardiac cycle. The pumping action of the heart consists of the contraction and relaxation of the heart muscle. Each contraction and relaxation is one cardiac cycle. During the contraction of the heart, called systole, the blood is pumped out of the ventricles and into the circulation. At this time, the mitral and tricuspid valves are closed and the aortic and pulmonic valves are open. The closing of the mitral and tricuspid valves creates the first heart sound, also known as S1. During relaxation of the heart, called diastole, blood fills the ventricles. At this time, the mitral and tricuspid valves are open and the aortic and pulmonic valves are closed. The closing of the aortic and pulmonic valves creates the second heart sound, also known as S2. Cardiac metabolism. The oxygen supply of the heart is delivered by the coronary arteries. 70 to 75% of the oxygen from the coronary arteries is used immediately by the heart muscle, leaving little oxygen reserve. Increased energy needs of the heart can only be met by increasing coronary blood flow. Oxygen consumption by the heart increases during exercise and fever. In the immediate postoperative period, fever can have a negative impact on the function of the heart. Cardiac output. Cardiac output is the volume of blood ejected from the heart in one minute, expressed as liters per minute. Normal cardiac output in children is 200 mLs per kilogram. Cardiac output is the heart rate multiplied by stroke volume. Children have a much higher cardiac output than adults. An abnormal rhythm within the heart can result in a 20 to 30% decrease in cardiac output. Point of clarification. Cardiac output is decreased by 20 to 30% in the setting of an atrial arrhythmia. Significant ventricular arrhythmias can result in a 100% loss of cardiac output. Cardiac index, most often used in children, is obtained by dividing the cardiac output by the body surface area. A normal cardiac index is 3.5 to 4.5 liters per minute per meter square. Stroke volume is the amount of blood ejected during contraction of the heart. Stroke volume is affected by preload, contractility, and afterload. 
Preload is the pressure generated in the left ventricle prior to contraction. Contractility is the strength of the contraction of the ventricles. Afterload is the resistance to ejection of blood from the left ventricle. Efforts to maximize all these factors will improve cardiac output in the postoperative patient. Cardiac saturations. In the normal heart, greater than 95% oxygenated blood is circulated from the left side of the heart out to the body. A little more than 20% of oxygen is extracted by the body. Obtaining a saturation from a catheter within the heart gives valuable information related to cardiac output and intracardiac shunting. The best location to obtain a mixed venous saturation is from a pulmonary artery catheter or an internal jugular catheter. A low saturation from the internal jugular catheter or the pulmonary artery catheter may be an indication of low cardiac output. A high saturation from the pulmonary artery catheter may be an indication of intracardiac shunting, meaning that oxygenated blood from the left side of the heart is mixing with blood from the right side of the heart. Point of clarification. The explanation for that is actually pretty simple. And I've tried to diagram this here in a very, very crude way by indicating on the left side of this diagram in red lines the arterial side of the circulation on the right-hand side of this cartoon with the blue lines, the venous side of the circulation. And the arrow pointing downward coming off this represents gas exchange in the capillaries. Basically, uh, the principle is simple. If the capillaries suck out a certain fixed amount of oxygen to supply the needs of the tissue, the amount of oxygen that's left over in the systemic uh, venous um, side is going to be determined by how much O2 went into the capillary bed. What determines how much O2 is delivered to the capillary bed? Well, it's very simple. It's two factors. One is oxygen content of the lungs, which is uh, related to both arterial oxygen saturation and hemoglobin. And the other, of course, is the amount of blood flow into the capillary bed, which is, roughly speaking, cardiac output or systemic blood flow. And so the greater the amount of systemic blood flow or the higher the amount of O2 content, all other things being equal in terms of O2 consumption, the higher the systemic venous O2 content, also referred to as mixed venous saturation. And so as you can see, as cardiac output falls, again, given a certain amount of O2 consumption, mixed venous saturation will fall. Will fall. Similarly, if arterial saturations or hemoglobin is a less, uh, there will also be less uh, oxygen left over for the systemic venous circuit. Just as importantly, if O2 consumption goes up, and one could imagine this being a clinically uh, relevant factor in a patient who's febrile or in a patient who is uh, very active, if the O2 consumption goes up, all other things being equal, mixed venous um, content uh, will tend to go down. 
This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.